Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. Yes, are you not fulfilled? Are you frustrated? Well, we are, we are, we are here to save the day. We are here to talk our way out of a problem. <laughs> As we've done so many times in the past, uh, we we love talking about closure and functional programming. So, um, what's on your mind? If you have any any questions about uh, uh, like a concept or something that you don't quite understand, or you'd like us to talk about, uh, please let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at Closure Design, send us an email to feedback at closuredesign.club, or hop into Closure Design dash podcast channel on the Closurian Slack and chat with us there. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Uh, well, so today let's um, let's continue into our web of complexity series. Um, yes, I, I complexity. Think, <laughs> yes, I think today we will hear some static uh, on the show, uh, not in the audio, but rather in in our resources. Last week we talked about giving our handlers the resources they needed. To, to accomplish their tasks, but what what happens when we want to just serve static resources? We, we have resources always yeah. just sitting there on the file system, ready to be served. Right, you'd, you'd think like serving up files, like just plain old files would be nice and simple, right? You don't have to write any, you don't have to write any handler code, right? It's, <laughs> you're not implementing like business logic and, and that kind of thing. All you need to do is just I, I have this image, this this GIF, this animated GIF that I have, and I just want to send it on back, or I want to send the CSS files, or whatever. Right? It should be so simple, shouldn't it? Right? No logic. Yeah. Done. <laughs> like everything in computers, we're we're built on top of abstractions, and those abstractions leak sometimes. So it's fun to know, you know how how how, how the tower of complexity has been built up to help you just return that file, right? Yes. And so getting back to kind of the, the <laughs> web of complexity thing is just like there's all these layers, right? There's, there's the actual contents of the file itself that has to get communicated back, but that contents has to be encoded in some way, which HTTP specifies. And then there's metadata about that file, which typically is returned in the headers, like how long? How long is the content, you know? And, and what, what type of file is it? Is it a, a JPEG? Is it a GIF? Is it a text file? Is it an Excel spreadsheet? <laughs> right? And then yeah. and then all the I.O. that has to happen, right? Like like you actually have to read, like something has to read the file off the file system and then like send it out over the socket. And and so you, you still have all those layers in effect. Yeah, and you you know, a lot of this stuff is stuff that you you could provide in your handler. Um but a lot of it is true of just of the file itself. It's all metadata that is embedded in the file itself. Like, you know, the, the type can be derived from the extension and the how long it's been since this content has been modified can be mo grabbed out of the last modified timestamp of the file, you know. Um, so there's a lot of rich information that you can you, you can you can get out of the file. But wouldn't it be nice if you could just, you know, hand the file to something, to middleware and have that middleware take care of everything for you? Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> yes, it, it would just be dandy. And and so this is where Ring Ring is helpful. And so, you know, Ring is the abstraction layer that we use to do HTTP stuff in closure. 
And there's a variety of different ring adapters that actually do like the low level and so on and so forth. But ring itself does some work for us. And so it's pretty neat because uh, if you recall, like the request and response information for HTTP gets reduced into a map, this single map of information. Uh, and so in the response map, you have a, you have a, um, a key called body. And this is the thing that you're going to be sending back to the to whatever called that HTTP endpoint. And Ring is pretty neat because it allows you to specify a number of different things for the body. I mean, the obvious one would be a string, like here, just send this stuff back. and the, Or maybe like an input stream, like read all the data off of this input handle and send that back. But Ring also lets you just take like a file object, a Java file object, and hand it back, or a byte array or a string of a, a sequence of things that can be turned into strings that all get concatenated <laughs> or even or even yeah. nil right so so it's it's a little smart in what you can set as a body yeah it was kind of fun to uh, we were we were kind of preparing a little bit for this episode we were actually trying to find where in ring in in all of the ring you know different little files where where this actually happens uh, and we we did find it it's in the protocols.clj file um, and and it just has just a it's a simple def uh, or a, um, extend protocol where it tries it just has different implementations for different different uh, all the things that you just said Christoph um, and uh, and actually it was fun to find that seek of string string seek of things you can string you know seek of stringables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stringifiables. I don't know. Yes, I guess in Clojure or in Java, everything is a stringable. Even a file or an input stream is yeah. stringable. Uh, you just get like a memory reference. <laughs> yeah, it interop. would certainly lead to a really interesting response if you pass a seek of these opaque class things, these opaque object <laughs> <Right>. things. <laughs> and you get you get basically like the two string <laughs> of object. <laughs> A whole but bunch we, of those. But we digress. <laughs> yes, but so it is nice. Like in some ways, Ring is so smart because you just hand it a Java file object and it's like, oh, that's a file. I'm going to open that file. I'm going to read the contents of the file and I'm going to send the contents of the file back. But in some ways, it's it's dumb because that's all it does. It, it doesn't really help with it. It doesn't help with anything else. Like, how right. long is that file? It doesn't right? actually help with the metadata. It just it's it's kind of a building block. It's it does one thing and it does it well. It returns just the body. Um, the problem is if on on the on the receiving end, if you get that, your browser is not going to know at all what to do with it. It's just going to see a string of bytes, and it's going it's not going to know that it's a GIF or a, a GIF. <laughs> or a JPEG or right. you know a JavaScript file or anything like that. And so um, the ring ring has ring util response, which is a bunch of response helpers. And one of those is really helpful <laughs> um, and it's called file response. And that, that, that actually will take the file and do a little bit of metadata searching for that. I think it has the content length and the last modification date. I think that's the, that's right. the bare minimum, you know, that you need to make a valid HTTP response. Right, because you need to know how how long the file is, like how much data to expect, and then also um, the the last modified is nice because let's say you go and you update this your your uh, animated GIF there to make it even better, <laughs> even more animated, even 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 better loop of exciting frames and cool coolness, you know. <laughs> 
like you Absolutely. when you hit reload in your browser you want to see the new one and and in order to know like oh that thing has changed well the the actual web server has to be able to know like when when did the file last change and communicate that information back and so so the ring file response uh, helper there it, it it will set that metadata but it still won't it still doesn't let you know like what kind of file it is right like is it is it a text file is it a excel document or is it a carefully crafted uh animated gif of like extreme beauty and sense sensibility <laughs> right right and and i think i think when you're when you're serving back just one file like i think usually your handler can be responsible for setting the mime type because you're just you're you're returning just the one file um but but detecting your mime type is a lot more important when you're serving, you know, a whole tree of files, like you know, an, an index page, right. and a, a JavaScript associated with it, and a CSS, and then a whole bunch of images. You know, you 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 could go through and man like have your handler actually like do all that detection. Um, but right. but it'd be much better if you could have something that would you could just give it a root path and it could just handle all of that, all of the serving of that that tree yeah so so like if you want to serve just kind of like like the use case well here let's step back and take a look at the use case so for example mm, yeah. let's say you're writing a closure service that uh, that exposes api endpoints like json some kind of json api or or ooh maybe a transit api <laughs> that would be cool and <laughs> um and and, but then you also want, since you're running a service already, you want it to serve out the static assets because let's say it has a web front end, you know, some kind of like single page application, you know, bundle of closure script that's been compiled to JavaScript and CSS and all that good goodness. Um, so, so what you can do is you can set up your handlers to try to match like you have slash API and then all your API things are under the, under that. Right, but if it if it doesn't start with slash API, well, then you could go. Oh, it must be some kind of static resource. You know, it must be like the index.html file, or it must be you know some path to some image file or some CSS file. And so, so you can have uh, basically if it wasn't handled by the API endpoint, then you have another handler that that picks those up. And you could call that like a wildcard, like often it's called like a wildcard handler. It's like, okay, everything else go here. And then it's going to, it's going to look at the path that was requested and go, okay, uh, that thing might be a file that I want to just send back some static asset I want to send back. And, and with it brings a number of, uh, a number of interesting considerations. <laughs> yeah. I think anytime the, the one that always pokes me in the head first is, uh, is is the one about security because you're basically asking some untrusted thing on the internet uh, what path do you want me to serve you on my file system <laughs> right what, and uh, what of my important critical sensitive files just lying around would you like a copy of yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I have I have a lot of them um, and I don't want them to be sent out so uh, I, I I would I would want something that that didn't I would not not want to serve anything out of you know slash etc on my Linux server or um, I don't know whatever the Windows path is on the Windows server <laughs> that has critical stuff. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, like, so when when you go to you know myspecialapp.com slash styles.css, like we're kind of assuming that that isn't in like the Linux's root directory slash styles.css, <laughs> right? Yes. If it were, then you could just type slash etc slash password, you know, and and, and horrible things like that. So there there has to be some content directory that everything gets stuffed underneath, you know, like like some directory like dub 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 or something like that. Yeah, and you want to make sure that all all the paths don't have dot dot slash in them so that they don't, they can't escape out of that path and and go towards the root. <clears throat> you want it to be like sandboxed in there. Right. So when when somebody goes to like slash styles.css, then then the logic on the server side has to go, okay, I'm going to start with, you know, slash home, slash web user, slash dub, 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 and then look for styles.css. And and you got to purge out, like Nate, like you're saying, all the dot, dot out of the path so people can't escape out. And so so you, you have to have this content route, and then you have to have a little bit of logic to make sure that, that, that everything gets resolved to be underneath that and not outside of it for security reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So have, having it go out, out of a, a path on your file system is useful in development, but, uh, but there's, there's times where we, you, you know, you want to have, um, you know, like your, 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 your deployment and production is just a jar. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to say, Oh, here's a jar. And then here's a bunch of files I need to serve also. And so a lot the, like the typical thing we do is we want to, we just like pack those into the jar in the resource, like under the resources directory, um, it's like a common thing in in Java to do. Um, yeah, like then, like it's a really cool use case. Is like okay, you you Uber jar this thing, and in this single jar file, you have the whole application, right? You have your your closure server that's running. It's handling the API, but all of the static assets are all bundled up into that jar, and so you just have like the single blob. It's got the front end. It's got the back end. It's got all that inside the jar. And in order, in order to take those those resource, they're called resources, but those files that are buried inside the jar and serve them out, yeah. Then you 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 have to use the Java's resources API for that, and it's very similar to like the file API, but it's like a file that's buried inside of the jar itself, yeah, it's kind of, right? Like its own special path and everything. But yeah, it, it very very closely mirrors um, the file system API. It's got direct subdirectories and you can have, and then when you get files out of it, just the same, like they, they have names with extensions and everything, you know, just like things on the file system. Yeah. And so a lot of times you can, you can use the Java resources API to then look up a path and then go, okay, did I find something? Oh, I, I did not find something. Okay, now let me go look in the file system for that path. Did I find something? Oh, I did not find something. Oh, okay, well, it's not found, right? So so it's like a nice <laughs> cascade where you can serve some stuff out of the jar itself, but then you can like fall back to the file system if you want or not, you know, and, and then it, it lets you bundle things up with the jar or maybe add some things on the fly. Or you could do the opposite. Like, let's say you want to you you try the file system first and then fall back to the resources. So you can you could shadow a file that's in the resource. So you put a more up to date copy just in the file system. So you don't have to make a whole new build. Let's say you need to replace that 
there was an issue with your really cool animated GIF. It wasn't showing up <laughs> in Internet Explorer 11 properly, <laughs> like most things. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That We definitely use that trick uh, a bit in, in production, uh, being able to just uh, hot, hot deploy shadow a file. Yeah. And so, so then... So, I mean, we don't, we don't, we've never written a middleware or a handler that actually does this thing. Um, we, all we, since we use Composure, Composure itself gives us um, routes that just allow us to to bundle this together. Like they, they comes with pre-built handlers. You know, they're not, they're not it's, it has middleware too, but it also has handlers that you can just give. Like, so there's one in Composure.route that called files where you just give it, uh, a little bit of config, you, like I think the bare minimum is just a you know a root. Just here's a root path, and it will dutifully um, once it is invoked, it will go and it'll find whatever path is requested in that um, in that directory and serve it back. Right. It makes a great handler of last resort. You know before before <laughs> not found. I you know that. it's like uh, okay, I tried all the API endpoints. It, it, it wasn't there. So now, now let's try looking in the file system, or, um, or there's a resources one too for serving resources. Yeah. So let's try looking in the resources. Okay. Uh, oh, it must have been a static file. Great. Here it is. Uh, I, I, I have to qualify one of your statements you said earlier. I actually did try writing my own file, static file handler <laughs> when I first. <laughs> oh yes. Keyword that's, being that's, try. Yes. Yeah, that's how I discovered a lot of these issues. You know, I'm writing code to uh, like jail the path, and I'm writing code to like try to figure out uh, the content length. And I think when I hit the mime type problem, I was just like, uh, "I'm really reinventing the wheel here. <laughs> there must be a better way." Yeah, mime- and then um, found the composure one just because we use composure. Mime types are definitely an explosion of complexity. Um, I think in in the in the mime type detection uh, in Composure, there's like a static map in the file that has you know several dozen of the most common ones. But if you're using some esoteric file type, it's not going to be able to detect it, and so you'll have to either uh, serve that file yourself in your own handler. Um, but it's definitely there's way more mime types than you can specify. You know, uh, yeah. there's like the whole projects around detecting that. But back to the way Ring is designed, like Ring is all, it's all about the middleware. So, so there are these high level middlewares like Ring, Ring has its own middleware, like Ring middleware resource, uh, just like Composure has its Composure route resources. But th- those are high level, but the, it, it, all it does is just compose together some lower level resources, right? Like the, <laughs> like the Ring yeah. util mime type, Ring middleware content type. Uh, and and some of these other things. So Ring sort of like has a little, it has a built-in support for opening a file and returning its contents. That's like built in, but then it has middleware for getting the metadata about that file, like the last modified, right? That's a content type and, and its length. And then it has another middleware for deciding what the MIME type is. So, so you can kind of like opt into these layers if you do need to build up your own piece and, and you can just go in the Ring source and find them. They're, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah, and and I think, I think it, it's even worth like mentioning that even if you like you could build up your own if you wanted to have a custom behavior, but if the custom if the behavior of like closure composure dot route files is not enough, like you just want to do one little more, well, you can actually wrap your own middleware around it, 
And when it's done with all of its work, it does 99% of the work. You want to do the last 1%. You could just handle that in the middleware and, and fix the last little bit. And, and then you're leveraging all of the existing code and not having to write your own. Even the UK. Yeah. It's great how you, it's very composable. <laughs> and so I guess that's the learning curve. And this part, probably why our web of complexity series has been so long <laughs> is because, uh, because the learning curve really is in, is understanding all the different middlewares and, and what layer they work at and, and, and how they help you build up the total solution. Um, it, it certainly like it, it takes some, it takes some learning over time. Um, like all the different <laughs> aspects of the problem that have, have to have a middleware piece, like in effect. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and, and, and it does deserve a mention that one of the most effective ways to serve static assets with your closure application is not to serve them at all. You can yes. r- rely on Nginx. Uh, you can serve them from S3 or CloudFormation or sorry, CloudFront on you know some CDN. Like there are there are many other options for for serving your static content. Yeah, and so part of why we don't, you and I don't end up using these static handlers a whole bunch is because in production, we are using Nginx to serve all of that static content. And then it yeah. is it is reverse proxying the API calls back. So it's kind of like Nginx handles, did I find a file? You know, if so, I will deal with the serving of all that static content because it has great MIME type, right? It, like it has really extensive support for static content. And it's And then fast. you can say, okay, if the path starts with slash API, reverse proxy that back to the closure application. So the closure application can just worry about API endpoints and it doesn't have to deal with the rest, you know? And that that comes with the upside of the power of Nginx, but the downside of it's a more complex deploy, right? Because now you have two pieces. You have an Nginx piece and a closure service piece, and and you got to get them both like running and installed and configured, working together and all that. Yes, the lesson here is that complexity is like a tube of toothpaste. You know, if you squeeze on one end, the toothpaste doesn't go away. It just squirts to the other end. So the complexity goes somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yes, simplicity is the only remedy for complexity. <laughs> <laughs> Abstraction is not a remedy for complexity. <laughs> Abstraction is just shoving it somewhere else. <laughs> it does not simplify. <laughs> yes. You yes. You can organize all the junk. Uh, you could organize the junk as thoroughly as possible. You could buy all the dividers you want, but it's st- you still have a bunch of junk. The only remedy to getting rid of junk is to purge, <laughs> right? <laughs> is to yes, get rid of it. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I think I think that's uh, where we're going to wrap up for today. Uh, so, if you, if you, dear listeners out there, have any um, any. Uh, bumps that you've come across when serving static content or other solutions that you've, uh, or maybe you've tried and successfully written your own uh, static resource handler uh, and for some other purpose than the ones we've talked about, uh, please let us know. Reach out on Twitter at Closure Design or email us at feedback at closuredesign.club or hop into the Closure Design dash podcast channel on the Closure in Slack. We've got quite a few people in there and have have some good lively discussions uh, so please join us and of course you can go to the web the web of complexity <laughs> and find us at closuredesign.club and get our show notes and our past episodes there 
uh, plenty to listen to. Uh, go back to the beginning of the series if you're jumping in now and, and hear it from the beginning. Yes, it's all we've talked about this year. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all right. We'll be back next week with another Web of Complexity uh, topic. So until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>